Oh, it's back. And welcome to episode number 471 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I am Carlos, and in this week's show, we've got a flying subway, a fecal fiasco, and a government crackdown on hidden fees. In the military news this week, we've got cardboard drones and a Russian defector. So joining me this week across the village here in a glorious air-conditioned studio where the temperatures are currently 6 degrees Celsius, <laughs> it's Matt Smith. Air-conditioned studio! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you get the fan I sent in the post? No. No, I did not. <laughs> uh, must, have come, must have come by, um, by every... Uh, oh, right, okay, yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 let's not be dissing every. They're all right here, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Our, our driver is brilliant. I, I, I don't doubt that at all. Well, quite, indeed. So we've got a bit of background music playing there. Well, quite yes, loud. there always is. Belly brisk. And also joining us... Have you ever listened to the show? There's always music. <laughs> it just sounds really loud. It just must, must be no, my... because you're listening to it. Talk back. Oh, oh that'll be why. I've turned it uh, off. Joining us this week, as well, it's uh, it's the guy who has uh, who's strived enormously over the show notes this week. It is, of course, Nick Codling. Hello, Nick. Evening, Carlos. Good to be back on, and uh, yeah, back on the back on the super sub bench this week. So, um, and, uh, Nick, obviously, you, you're you're down south, uh -huh. sort of southwest, aren't you? Really, to where me and Matt are here, yep. and currently here, it's. Uh, uh, where are we? Outdoor. Tropical. It, it's it's warm. <laughs> it, it's around about twenty four degrees outside at the 26 moment. Twenty six here. Thank you. Oh, twenty six is hotter. Matt's yeah. part of the village is obviously a lot warmer yeah. than me. Yeah. Uh, what's I'm it been like, Daniel? I'm at the bottom of the hill. You see, that's what it well, is. Well, it was it was twenty nine degrees in my office as I left this afternoon. Oh so, my. That's fine. It, it's uh, you know we're down on the uh, in the English Riviera here. It's bikini weather. Yeah, you're in a good um, part of the country. And, where, and were you in your bikini, Nick? Or. Um, <laughs> Let's just leave that to the imagination. Lovely. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm going to be distracted now for the rest of the show. Leave that with me. Uh, <laughs> so we in the wash. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. We are missing uh, Mr. Bounds this week. Uh, unfortunately, Nev is uh, on his way back from Stockholm. I think in Sweden, if I remember rightly. I'll, I'll say yes. Stockholm. Yeah. And uh, Armando is well. He's. <laughs> You need to ask, really, what Armando's doing no, tonight. He's uh, he flying but, an aircraft. But, but fear not, he has been in touch. And, uh, yeah, he sent us a little check-in, so let's find out what he's been up to this week. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time again. And, unfortunately, for the final time, I'm headed out to Reno, Nevada, for the Reno Air Races, the National Championship Air Races. As you guys have heard on the show, this is the last iteration of the Reno Air Races as we know them. We almost made it to 65 years. We made it to 64 years. Next year, they're just going to do an air show with some statics and some aerial performers, we hope. 
but uh, it is Friday and I am headed out to Reno. I will be working the ramp as usual for this final year. And in fact, we expect some amazing acts. We expect some of the previous racers, some P51s, some Sea Furies, uh, maybe even a P38 from all the last 60 years of racing there at Reno. I think it's just gonna be a great week, hopefully a safe week with uh, no incidents or minimal incidents. And we're expecting some of the biggest crowds ever on the races. So I will be checking in from there. Hopefully I will be getting some great interviews from the pilots and the crews and some of the volunteers and the support staff, ideally asking them what Reno has meant to them over the last 64 years and where do they think that it's going after this. So you guys have a great show. I will not be on the show this week or next week. Next Friday will be the uh, Friday after qualifying and practice and all that stuff. The races actually start Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next week. So I will be checking in from Reno. You guys have a great show. Oh, thanks for that, Armando. Nice to sort of find out. As I say, awesome. busy, busy old week by the sound of it, but... Uh, yeah, very cool. As you say, and very sad, isn't it? The hands. last one. The last one. That's a very, very oh, sad, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. That is bad news. Mm. But I will just say, before we kick off things, this week, I'm drinking a very interesting nice. beer. It from oh, the yeah. Black Box Brewery Landing Gear Bitter. Yes, this is true. This is not a fake beer. Yeah. It is an actual brewery. And uh, these guys are, are from uh, Southend-on-Sea. Their address is, believe it or not, Aviation Way. I mean, <laughs> honestly. And if you, if you get a chance, I mean, we're, we're by no means advertising these guys on the show. But if you get a chance, go to their website because they have got a whole says... line of beers. <laughs> that ha no, listen, they all have aviation names to the bottles. They are right. so good. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm currently drinking some of their bitter at the moment. It's very yes. nice. Of course, other, other aviation-related beverages are, of course, available. Well, not many, though, uh, Matt. <laughs> there are a couple. Well, Spitfire, I suppose, is one. There is a beer called Spitfire here in the UK. Yeah, but... yeah there's, a, there's, there's a bottle of wine that I've got a photo of somewhere um, that I think myself and Owen, when we went to Toulouse many, 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 many years ago, and we had a bottle of wine with dinner, and that was aviation-themed. We were near yeah. Toulouse Airport, of course, so that kind of makes sense. But it's good. It's good. It's aviation gin. That's one of Gemma's favourites. Is it? Oh, oh, I'm going to drop of that last night, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who get you? Yeah. Anyway, welcome to PTUK alcohol session. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Coming a regular slot. <laughs> Coming a regular <laughs> slot. I know. We're going to say a very special warm welcome to everyone who's joined us in the chat room this evening. We'll have a look. See, Dirk was in there nice and early. Hello, Dirk. Uh, our local listener, Mazus, is also in there. Hello to you, Mazus. Hope you're enjoying the weather. Uh, Richard Adams, as well, is in there. Bill. Hello to Bill. Happy Friday, all he says. Happy Friday, all. Uh, Jan is in there as well. Good evening, he says. Well, nice to see you in there. Puebla champ, he's there. Puebla's there. Good to see you in the chat room as well. Masha, the lovely Masha's in there. Hello to you as well. I'm guessing the weather's nice and warm where, where you are as well. Uh, Sturman. Our newly married Sturman is in there as well. Good to see you in there, in the chat room. We've Don't got Lee like Davies. That. You make it sound like it's a sentence. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Trust me, he, he's enjoying. He's having. He's living the best life. He is living the best life. Um, who else have we got? Dirk S. Hello to you as well. Alex is in there. Good to see you in there, Alex. 
Um, just scrolling down, make sure I don't miss anyone out in the chat room. Stuart Thomas. Hello to you, Stuart. Uh, he stood by the fridge with the door open. Oh. <laughs> That's a good idea, though, Stuart. Good, a really good, good idea. Yeah, definitely. Good, good show. Time, yeah, yeah, I think we'll, we'll try that one later. Uh, don't forget, if you're listening uh, to our voices on the, the podcast audio version, don't forget to check us out on YouTube on a Friday night when we are recording a live show. As we are now, just search for us on there. Don't forget to subscribe oh, and also click. <laughs> yes, we are. We are live. Look. Ow. It's definitely live. How does that prove? <laughs> I don't know. I've seen it on TV. Oh. Anyway, we've got loads of news to get through this week. Plus, we have got, uh, don't forget, we have got our book to give away this week. And for the benefit of anyone who's in the chat room who may not have entered the competition to win the book Flying the Boeing 787, um, I will give you a quick reminder, even though it is on our Facebook page, but some of you might not be on the Book of Face. So that question to win this book, if you wanted to win the book, is... Are you ready? So the first Dreamliner, the first one... Not the first one to enter service with ANA. The first Boeing Dreamliner, MSN001, had a very NEV-esque registration. What was the aircraft's N registration on that very first 001 Dreamliner? Not the first one to enter service with ANA. Not that one. The first one, 001, MSN001. What was the registration of that aircraft? Very NEV-esque registration. Answers via email, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. And uh, the names will go in a hat at the end of the show. And we'll pull out a winner and you will win this book, Flying the Boeing 787. It's all in there. And uh, on behalf of all of those who are listening to this, in the audio version that's released on Sunday, I'd like to <laughs> apologise because I think Carlos has forgotten that... Uh, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm giving our chat room listeners right. okay. a chance. It's All a special right. so, special offer this fair, week, special offer. offer. Okay, anyway, my sincere apologies, though, if you're just catching that uh, on the uh, audio version of the podcast. The but if you are listening to the audio version, has been done we have a new book. Sadly. Oh, we right. have a new book coming on this week's show, so don't panic. Anyway, Matt. If all the team's ready, let's do some commercial news. <laughs> okay, here we go. The captain has turned on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. So, kicking off this week's commercial news on edition.cnn, uh, why Korean Air will be weighing some passengers before flight. Some passengers? Hmm, a bit picky. Uh, boarding pass, check photo ID, check weight. Passengers flying with Korean Air in the next few weeks may be asked to take one additional step before boarding, uh, getting on the scale. However, the policy has nothing to do with body shaming. Korean Air is one of the many airlines around the globe that is required to periodically obtain plane weight data. According to an announcement by the airline, the program will affect uh, some travellers departing 
from Gimpo International Airport uh, from August the 28th until September the 3rd this year and from Incheon International Airport between the 8th and 19th of September. Both passengers' luggage will be weighed anonymously and the data will then be shared with the country's Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transport. If a passenger would prefer not to have their weight data collected, Korean Air confirms that they can opt out by letting a staff member know. While some travellers may be surprised to find themselves asked to step on a scale, the decision isn't made by the airline. It's often mandated by the government airline regulators. Earlier this year, Air New Zealand carried out their similar programme with some of the customers flying its international routes like the ultra-long between Auckland and New York's JFK. They said we know uh, no stepping on the scales can be daunting. Yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> we want to reassure our customers there is no visible display. Trust me, I've, I hate it. I have to waste up at work. It's so tempting sometimes to jump on just to be shocked. Uh, no one can see your weight, not even us, they said. A representative from Air New Zealand, the country's national carrier, said at the time, once gather data is gathered, it helps the airline make decisions about fuel needs and weight and distribution on board. Now, I know... The weight limit that um, airlines have used for many, many, many years regarding passengers has been the same for a long while, and it's not really been altered much in in years. Um, and obviously, I know that definitely I have gained a few pounds in the last few years, uh, as have I think most of us around the the world during lockdown when we couldn't sort of go out and do stuff and that. But um, I do see the point in doing this every now and again. Periodically, I wouldn't say no, you know. I, I must admit I find it very, very bizarre, given how how scientific flying in and is and how much of it is is based on weight calculations and that kind of thing. Uh, whilst I fully accept that, you know, nobody really wants to be weighed, but there's no reason why you couldn't be weighed and the information not shared with you and that data be added to the system in order to make out accurate ca calculations and I, I do I do feel like um, uh, I, I think it's madness that that all of this amazing flying that is done by the incredible pilots and all that kind of thing is all based on guess guesstimate numbers and I, I find that very very strange um, as you say especially when there's a way that you know, I, I mean, I, I guess one of the challenges that you would find now is essentially, I guess, security would probably be the only place at which that metric could be taken, perhaps, unless they're going to have weighing scales like mm. at the gate while you're waiting to go on the plane. But is that too late? Especially if it's a Ryanair flight, for example, where it's usually a quick turnaround and it's only on the ground for 20 minutes. Um... I'm trying I'm to think in my surprised. head what the weights were. I can't think mm. what the weights were. I'm surprised that more airlines aren't doing this though. When yeah. there's, you know, there's a because obviously they have sort of mandatory amounts of um, additional fuel for mm. uh, diverting, and uh, you know, a little bit extra over and above that. And obviously, mm. you know, there's a cost to the airline for carrying around additional fuel, and they they want to try and. Yeah. minimize their overheads as much as they possibly can so yeah and, and let's be honest if, you, if you've got a plane full of mats for example versus a plane <laughs> plane full of johns um the the numbers required to do that same flight 
are going to be quite significantly different in terms of the extra fuel that you need to carry and all that kind of thing. So whilst I understand why it's a, why it's a controversial subject, I completely get that. Um, I'm, I'm frankly surprised that especially people like Ryanair, where every penny counts in terms of margins yep. and that kind of thing, I, I'm very surprised that we aren't all weighed before we get on the plane at some mm. point during our I have just Googled. Our I've just Googled, right? Take a start, take a guess, guys, what the FA current FAA standard um, there, what they class as an average weight for an adult plus a carry-on bag is. I mean, they give it to me in pounds here, but I have converted that into kilos. But what do you, what would you think, guys, is the FAA standard for an adult passenger plus a carry-on bag? Probably about 120 kilos. Yeah, I was going to say about sort of 90-ish. For, that's for person plus bag. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, I haven't factored in a person. So the FAA current standard is, well, it's between two figures: one for summer and one for winter. Obviously, they must think you know, coats, we, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it to sort of average it out. It's it's a hundred like they say a hundred and ninety five pounds, which in kilos, believe it or not, is about eighty nine kilos. Reiki. I weigh more than that without a bag. I definitely do. <laughs> and I do. And I, I do. Hands up. I do. Absolutely. I think, um, I think if, if we're being brutally honest, the only person who would go anywhere near that number and be under it is probably John. Uh, yes. <laughs> he's probably yes. the only one that's, uh, that's anywhere that near that number. Me, though. Yeah. That does yeah. surprise me, though. That is surprising. Well, and, and, and I, you know, I, th I think it's safe to say that the majority of, of you know, I, I, potentially the majority of flights are, are um, you know, according to the numbers, very much at the wrong weight, I would argue. Bear in mind, of course, that that will be factoring in uh, children on board, um, although yeah, you true. would have to imagine that the uh, typical percentage of children on board would probably be less than maybe 15% of the overall passenger numbers. Uh, Captain, guess, Captain Cruz does say in the chat room, hmm. any child, lady or elderly person is surely far below £195. Poss well, well, possibly, yeah. Depends on the lady. I don't know if you've ever been out in uh, Plymouth on a Saturday night. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, quite, and, and genuinely, you sort of, you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, people from the UK, for example, versus say, um, you know, let's go, you know, you pick pick any Asian country to be fair, and you know, you'll probably find the numbers are quite significantly lower there than they would be in terms of here. I, I I'm just, I, I, I mean, we could go on about it all night, so I think we should probably wrap up and move on. But uh, I, I, w I would, uh, I, I think it's madness almost that they aren't taking some form of more accurate metric in this day and age. Oh, well. So, Matt, you've got the next story, and uh, it's all about Ryanair this week. Uh, apparently so. Two stories for one here. Two for the price of one, I think, <laughs> is the way this has been put together. We're going to start with an article in the Liverpool Echo, and uh, the headline says, Ryanair takes off without a man, even though he was five hours early. 
a wheelchair user was left crying at the airport after Ryanair denied him access to a flight. Ian St John, who has been paralysed for seven years due to a sp spinal cancer, told The Echo he was due to fly from Cork Airport in Ireland to Liverpool to watch the Reds weekend match versus Va Aston Villa and play a golf tournament. However, the 45-year-old professional golfer from Tranmore claimed he was refused access to his flight on Saturday after Ryanair claimed his para-golfer wheelchair was too big. Uh, uh, Mr John claimed he sent Ryanair the dimensions of the machine the day he booked his flight and heard nothing back, which means everything is ready to go. However, Ryanair claimed Mr John failed to respond to their request for the chair's dimensions, something he disputes as he never received the emails. He told The Echo, do you think I wouldn't respond to something as important as that? Uh, Mr John said uh, he arrived at Cork Airport more than five hours before the flight was due to depart and as the processor of navigating security as a wheelchair user can be a little sticky. But when he arrived at the departure gate, he was informed by Swissport Airport staff that the dimensions of his machine were too big for the plane. Mr John said that he had travelled on Aer Ling an Aer Lingus flight months before with the same machine uh, where there were no issues. The Swissport staff, who Mr John claims were distressed, by his situation said they would speak to the baggage handlers. He added that there was no staff from Ryanair at the gate to assist him with the issue and due to the flight's delay it was not until around 10.30pm that he had it officially confirmed he would not board the flight. Speaking to the Echo, Mr John said I had already booked specialist taxis to pick me up at Liverpool to, get me, uh, to take me to Formby Hall which is where I was due to play a golf tournament and then on to Anfield. Uh, Travelling as a wheelchair user is arduous and you have to be meticulous. I would not have proceeded with the booking uh, with booking the flights unless I was sure everything would be fine. My father and brother had already taken time out of their day to take me to Cork Airport on the day of the flight. By not telling me that I couldn't travel until I got to the airport, Ryanair stranded me. I couldn't get home because of how difficult it is to find a specialist taxi that can take all of my equipment. Uh, my heart was racing i felt sick when i realized i was stranded um i was crying in the middle of the airport the swiss port staff who were brilliant in trying to get me on the flight were very upset by what happened the team leader said staff uh, were vomiting that's how distressed they were okay uh, i was at the airport from three till eleven and was kept waiting for all that time by Ryanair, I have never witnessed discrimination like like that. Um, he added that uh, I was so looking forward to the match. Ryanair blew it all out of the water. In 2023, uh, to face this kind of discrimination is just astounding. I have never dealt with it. I'm going to stop reading there. We can go on and on about that. Now, a um, couple of things for me here. Um, I'm just going to see if I can find... I think, Nick, you did give me some photos of this, didn't you? Now, one of the yeah, things so the, that... The, the passenger in question has quite a, quite a cool... Um... Yeah adapted wheelchair it's it's kind of like a um almost like a small mobility scooter yeah. that actually allows the the gentleman to stand up mm. it's a pretty cool looking thing um, it is, and absolutely. Yeah. understandably that does need a bit of special handling absolutely yeah. yeah um and i think if i'm honest yeah perhaps a, a budget carrier wasn't the right choice for him 
Absolutely, and uh, m- m- the the thing that I, I I'm uncomfortable with uh, in this story as well is saying, well, Aer Lingus did it is no defence in my honest opinion. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, I do feel for for Ian, obviously, because um, you know. <sighs> I understand why, obviously, he's been very, very distressed by the whole experience. Um, and there is a, there is an argument that, you know, perhaps the whole thing could have been handled a bit better. Uh, perhaps they could have... Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that somebody should have been able to tell him that uh, there was going to be an issue much, much earlier in the day. So, I, you know, I, I don't think uh, the airline are completely faultless here. Um, I mean... Potentially one solution, though, is that presumably there's no reason why that that particular device could not have been put in the hold and then a conventional wheelchair be used. It, you wouldn't necessarily even need to have a wheelchair with you because um, you tend to use, like, they've got the special assist ones, haven't they, at the airport? Yeah, so, again, so they have the kind of narrow yeah. um, chairs that fit down the... The, absolutely the aisle of the aircraft and that's the thing for me the big thing here is is it's like you know it's again compa- making the comparison to Aer Lingus because it was okay when you used them that's you know for me that doesn't carry any weight or, or, or anything at all really because I you know you can't compare what you say well you know it's a bit like saying well British Airways gave me a first class seat why haven't you given me a first class <laughs> seat Ryanair I mean the comparison in my <laughs> eyes, is that ridiculous? Well, maybe, um, maybe our own Mr. Bounds might be making that comparison. Well, quite, well, quite. Steps indeed. up to his challenge. So, uh, yeah, indeed. So, I completely understand why uh, Ian is is desperately disappointed. But I, I, I do I feel that m- more could have been done to mitigate the situation that he found found himself in? Absolutely. What about the situation that Michael O'Leary found himself in, Matt? Uh, oh, well, was was there an incident? <laughs> That was a very lovely segue there. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can. I think probably the best way to do this is not actually to. Uh, Have you? Talk did you actually it. get the video? Did you? I think. This? Well, I'm gonna try and play it from my laptop. I mean, so I apologize I mean, briefly, if it's a bit. Um, yeah, I, I, briefly. I, if anyone missed it on the news this week, Michael O'Leary. Yeah. Was was met by some. Yes, indeed. Well, don't, don't spoil it. Let me see if we can. Let me see if I can play the video, and we'll. Um, We'll try and take it from there. I'm just having a little trouble getting uh, my machine to. Uh, here we go. Right. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, take a look at the the video, shall we? I don't know if we'll get any sound on it, um, but uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, here we go. Um, here we go. Here we go. Approaching stage left. Oh, there we go. What's, in the, what's in the box? I mean, at least he's laughing. 1.5 oh, million signatures oh. of something. What was that? Oh, blimey. Couldn't have happened to a nicer man. I'm sure quite. he's a lovely man. I mean, he did laugh it off. I will give him, I will give him his yeah, news anyway. he was quite good about it. He was actually quite good about it. But then I guess that's the thing. It's the risk uh, is if, if ever you go in, into uh, a public place like that, that you are, you, you know, you're asking yourself, uh, you know, you're, you're asking for trouble essentially. Um, but uh, yes, indeed. Uh, but uh, to his eternal credit, he carried on. <laughs> He carried yep. on. It didn't disrupt yep, didn't his. Um, him. No, it didn't phase him. Didn't disrupt yeah. him. Um, you know, didn't, didn't he say on the news that he actually quite enjoyed the um, the the, the, the flavour? Probably <laughs> yes. I know it's nice they use genuine cream. I guess. I'm yeah. Very lucky. I on think that it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Of course, the one, the one, the, the the thing about this though, right? I mean, we won't go into too much detail, obviously. <laughs> but the thing about this is, <laughs> right? I mean, 
everybody's... I mean, one of my favourite um, X... I keep saying Twitter. I know I'm not supposed to now. Uh, but one of my favourite... I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. I don't care. Uh, one, of my, one of the favourite things about their Twitter account is literally their social media posts that's the that's oh. the best thing and it's just like i mean if you've not learned anything from that account the one thing you will learn is that mike you see weirdly what they've done is they've made whatever it was that he was pushing now prominent in the news as a result you know because it's like literally no they couldn't have staged it better themselves. they could not have staged it better themselves i wouldn't be at all s- surprised if he maybe gave them a donation uh, you know for you know for the cause because it's just like you couldn't have asked for a more perfect way of trying to get Michael O'Leary's uh, point across by putting a custard pie in, in his face in front of a load of cameras so that it almost guaranteed it was going to end up making the main news you know? I would have preferred apple crumble myself, but yeah, I mean that's a bit hot and burny though, Carlos. It's not recommended. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't think that. Bit of an issue, you see. Absolutely. Yeah. But safety first, Carlos. Come on. Okay. Aviation, you know, safety is always first. But what, what would you prefer then, Matt? Um, I don't know. I quite like that ice cream that we had earlier today. <laughs> that was that was award winning. That was a fabulous ice cream. <laughs> And it took me so long to eat it, I was nearly 10 minutes late back from lunch because I, I was stuck. When, when, when Matt met me for dinner this afternoon, yeah. I did treat him to a little ice cream. He did. Oh, sorry, he did. A, a large ice cream. Yeah, it wasn't a little ice cream. And I did think when Matt, because it was close to 1 o'clock, yeah. sorry, 2 o'clock, the end of our dinner hour, yeah. I thought, Matt's not going to get back to work. No, no. Minus the and ice cream. In future, a small one is definitely the way forward because, honestly, it was the biggest. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so an ice cream, I think, especially in this weather, because it would have been a bit yes. cooler. I mean, it might have been but, stick, a bit sticky and unpleasant, but, you know. How hey about no. you, Nick? Any preference for pie in the face? Uh, I'm going to go for an egg custard tart with <laughs> oh, okay. some Cornish clotted cream. Oh, oh, hello. Right. Yeah, oh. That'll do very nicely. Indeed. What? Anyway. Hang on. Whoa, no. whoa, 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 whoa. You don't no. get away with that. Hang on. No to custard. Custard, yes. Not egg custard. There's something... Uh, just, you, I was you just are, thinking more, you know, on the health and safety point from earlier. I, do, I wouldn't want anything that's, you know, too, too burning. You, you're aware that <laughs> custard is made with egg, right? I, it's, yeah, but the, when you have egg custard, it just doesn't... Anyway, I, I just consistency is not good. Anyway, welcome to the PTUK, <laughs> the food special part of the show, where this week we'll be chatting about pies. But custard is made with egg. <sighs> not the stuff I get out of a packet. In anyway, well, that's packet rubbish, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for goodness' sake! Oh, Next week, Matt Smith will bring us his culinary uh, part of the show. Well, he absolutely, he'll be- yeah. I'll make you an. I'll make you a proper custard. Yeah, but it's got egg in it. You won't like it. Uh, That's my whole point. Creme brulee as well. Ugh. That's custard. Ugh. But in French. Oh, my God. Kill me. Kill me now, please. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. It, this uh, this next story is uh, coming to us uh, from Nick, because Nick loves a good Australian story. I've got an NA. I think I'm right I go saying there's a uh, new season of Bake Off starting soon, actually. Hey, snack time. They'll make an egg custard. I think we'll have a, um, a cheese segment as well. Ooh, but anyway, lovely. moving on. <laughs> the boss of Australian airline Qantas said he'll leave his job immediately following a series of embarrassing revelations about the company. Ooh. including allegations it sold tickets for flights that had already been cancelled. Oops. 
Chief Executive Alan Joyce said that after 15 years of running the national carrier, he was bringing forward his planned retirement date by two months. The airline said Vanessa Hudson would take over as managing director and group chief executive from Wednesday. The announcement came after a difficult few weeks for Qantas and Mr Joyce. He was grilled by Australian senators last week on flight delays and costs while a consumer watchdog group announced on Thursday it was taking legal action against Qantas and would seek a penalty that would run into hundreds of millions of dollars. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission said it was taking the action after Qantas engaged in false, misleading or deceptive conduct by advertising tickets for more than 8,000 flights that had already been cancelled but not removed from sale. That's not okay. That's a big number. That's a a heck of a mistake, isn't it? That's not... Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, The commission said that in many cases... Qantas continued selling tickets or delayed selling or delayed telling ticket holders that the flights had been cancelled. Qantas previously acknowledged its standards had fallen well short of expectations as the airline emerged from the pandemic. Mr Joyce said there was a lot to be proud of during his 22 years working for Qantas. In the last few weeks, the focus has been on Qantas and events of the past. Make it clear to me that the company needs to move ahead with its renewal as a priority, he said in a statement. The best thing I can do under these circumstances is to bring forward my retirement and hand over to Vanessa and the new management team now, knowing they will do an excellent job. Last month, Qantas announced a record pre-tax annual profit of nearly two and a half billion Australian dollars, which is uh, 1.26 billion properly pound things. Um, <laughs> up from a loss of almost $2 billion the previous year. The airline has since come under pressure to pay back the $2.7 billion it received from the Australian government during the pandemic. Uh, Qantas chairman Richard Goida said the board thanked Mr Joyce for his leadership. Alan has always had the best interest of Qantas front and centre, and today shows that, Mr Goida said. Uh, what, by selling tickets for planes that aren't going anywhere? Um, Shareholders will formally vote on the appointment of Miss Hudson as Managing Director at the company's annual general meeting in November. Qantas shares rose by 1% after the announcement, but remained down more than 11% from a month ago. There Mm. we go. Sell those shares. Yes. that all sounds a bit naughty. Hmm. I mean, that's... I, I don't quite understand how... I mean, surely that must just be an IT error, surely. I mean, that can't... In fairness of anyone, that can't have been planned. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that yeah, must have been a... Part of me thinks, did they do this to try and make it look like they were very busy? Bumping the numbers up? Trying to yeah. trying to make the numbers look better? But... I yeah. guess, uh, do you think we'll ever know but the w- truth? Would, would selling... Uh, <sighs> selling flights for cancelled flights i mean if those flights didn't exist and it wasn't a you know if, let, let's say it was a system fault or it wasn't a system fault and they did that uh, wouldn't it wouldn't it show that the flights are all like the, the they just book on other flights i don't think they'd lose the business if you see what i mean just because those cancelled flights weren't there it just means that the other flights... I, I they've feel got like, that you... to me, that there was something a bit oh. dodgy going oh, on. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah. Cat Ridiculous Wits has absolutely nailed it in the chat room. He says, um, 
So what's next? We're going to sell tickets for flights on aircraft that have been retired and dismantled. I mean, sure, sure. Oh, that's one option. I thought you were going to mention the uh, the the comment that he made earlier on that was uh, better late than never. Greetings, fellow AV nerds. Uh, oh. <laughs> I just well, thought, oh, I see. Well, like John, that, Jonathan <laughs> Warner has joined us in the chat room now. Hello, has Mr. He? Warner. Oh. Yes, he's in there now. Yeah, yeah. He he he's 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 one week ahead of himself at the moment. I'll see if he explains why in the chat room in a minute. Oh. So, moving on, next story uh, comes to us from SimpleFlying.com. And uh, Crazy Subway, this is a story that we were going to do last week, but we ran out of time. But we wanted to bring you the story because the picture looks awesome. Uh, Crazy Subway is opening a restaurant on a blimp. Yes, you heard me right. While Subway is the second largest food chain store globally, uh, featuring at several airport concourses as well, there is a new place you can go grab a sandwich. And it's on a blimp. The popular sandwich company is flying its own brand over three cities in September, allowing up to 40 guests to enjoy a signature sub at 1,000 feet in the air. Measuring 180 feet long, this might be Subway's biggest endeavour yet, uh, measure in sandwiches, of course. Uh, Kansas City will be the first to see the special livery blimp on September the 5th, 6th and 7th. According to CNBC, up to seven passengers can take a 30-minute ride uh, from 8 till 2 every, every day, equating to roughly 40 a day. These lucky few will be eating their food at 1,000 feet in the air, cruising over the city. From Kansas, the aircraft heads directly to Florida for two rotations, the first uh, being in Orlando on September the 19th and 20th, followed by Miami uh, uh, on September the 24th and 26th. Even if you don't sign up online uh, or aren't successful, expect to see the massive sandwich around the airspace uh, through the month. The blimp itself has a unique livery. The front features a sub filled with meat, vegetables and cheese called the Beast, one of July's deli hero subs. Do you know what? I've never had one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that out there. I've oh, never had a sub. Out. What? Um, I know. It's terrible. I know. I know. Kick me later. Uh, the back of the blimp... I, I, I'm not over the egg custard thing, so you need to, you need to be very careful. <laughs> the blimp... Go <laughs> back to food again. Yeah. <laughs> Subway's rebranded logo colours. While it's definitely surprising the sight in the skies, it clearly fulfils Subway's goal of showing off its brand. And this is it describes, we want to celebrate how far we've come since 2021 uh, and where Subway is headed in the future. While you won't be served freshly made subs on board, you'll receive a lunchbox with four samples from the Delhi Hero Collection. With a view of three popular cities, this is definitely the best way to enjoy a meal, I say. While the blimps have long endured or ended their run as passenger airships, the US has continued its love affair with floating advertising boards. Uh, the most recognisable, undoubtedly, is that one that we've all seen on TV, uh, the blue and yellow Goodyear blimps, which grace important US sports events and even offer sightseeing tours over Europe. In Germany, flying one of these unique airships will set you back at least $500 and will offer tours of Lake Constance, Ravensburg, Bonn, Dusseldorf and Munich. This is one of the only places where you can enjoy a commercial ride on a blimp, technically now a Zeppelin, since Subway's offer is limited to a first-come, first-served flight for seven days. However, it may not be far-fetched to think that the era of blimps may return one day. Several companies are looking into the massive structures as a more environmentally friendly way of travelling by air. 
while the closest iterations after around five years are around five years away, it's an exciting development and one that could shake up the market that has been constantly or consistent for uh, a century. So it looks good. The picture looks good. I know it does look very nice. And no, I haven't. I, I say, again, I need to go and try one of these things. Uh, well, Pip says, "Don't bother." <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pip, say, Pip says uh, uh, the Subway is the second biggest fast food chain in the world. Wow, I had one once. It was truly disgusting. I have to well, say, I'm doing, doing it wrong. Yeah, I've not had that experience personally. The one in Norwich is pretty good. Uh, some other news from the chat room, by the way, going slightly off piste, as oh. it were. Jan has been in touch in the chat room. He's saying, uh, "BA have just cancelled my flight. Uh, BA just cancelled my flight last week with two hours' notice. Hello, compensation." <laughs> <laughs> You go, Jan. Go. Yeah, get them. Get them. We'll, yeah, get them. And get if you em. don't get where you, where you need to, then um, we'll put uh, Nev onto them. Nev, we'll, yeah. yeah we'll, Let Nev know. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Actually, speaking of Nev, Nev, he's now on his flight, isn't he, coming home in, in what I can only describe as a, a very dis concerning situation. Not 1A, it would appear. <laughs> yes, indeed. He's not, oh, no. No, indeed. Well, I, I think he is still in the right area, um, but... Um, oh. Yes. Yes, the great unwashed have joined him, and he's not happy. Made him sit with oh. other people. Yes, I think it's outrageous. You know, do they not know who he is? Oh, Nev. Yes, indeed. We'll have to have a whip round for his counselling. We will, won't we? Yes, absolutely. I think we should probably save that for when he's had done his I, when he's I done think... his Ryanair flight. To be honest with you, Nick, I think that's when we're going to need to have a little whip round. <laughs> He'll be fine. Yeah. He's got his emotional support, Carlos. Ha that's a good point. That will help. Yeah. I, I think we're going to get. A, I think I we're going to get an earful mm. next week. Yeah, Carlos will need a lead. Just to stop yes, him that's from, what I meant. Just to stop him from nicking stuff from the aircraft to put on his wall. <laughs> uh, what are you trying to say? <laughs> Nothing. Honestly. Part, I love your wife so, so much, Carlos, but part of me wonders what your house would look like if you hadn't met Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, okay, moving on. Yes. <laughs> Quite. Don't, don't, I tried to get out of my mind. I was looking last night on the websites and oh, I thought, no. shall I buy another piece no, of aircraft? Absolutely no, no. not. Oh, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Matt, you've got the next story, and uh, it's all about those lovely things that we love. On airlines. Yes, we love a fee, don't we? It's uh, bbc.co.uk is the source on this one. The headline is airlines could face crackdown on hidden fees. Airlines could face a crackdown on said hidden fees as part of a new government plan to improve transparency for people shopping online. A public consultation will look at ways to clamp down on firms that add necessary, ch that add necessary charges at checkout, bumping up the final price. It comes as new government research suggests the practice is widespread across a range of industries. In total, this costs consumers £1.6 billion a year, the research has said. The consultation, which is being launched by the Department for Business and Trade on Monday, will run for six weeks. Airlines uh, now offer a plethora of extras at the booking stage, from speedy boarding and checking cabin bags uh, to seat selection, which often come at a price. The government said so-called drip pricing where the price paid at checkout is higher than originally advertised due to extra but necessary fees occurs in products ranging from ticket fares to food deliveries uh, 
Almost three quarters of transport providers, including air and rail, include hidden fees in their products, research has showed. A business minister, Kevin Hollenrake, said that the new proposals would ensure that the clearest and most accurate information up front uh, before making a purchase. We'll be listening to the industry to ensure these new regulations work for businesses too and don't generate unnecessary burdens, while at the same time providing a crucial safety net for consumers and their cash. As well as extra charges when you book, there may also be unexpected charges at the airport if you don't follow a carrier's terms and conditions. Uh, one elderly couple found out last month, Ruth and Peter Jaff from Ealing, went viral after Ryanair charged them £110 to check. Oh, no, I'm going to stop reading that because it made me cross again. Moving on. Uh, So-called <laughs> ancillary services have become a major part of airlines' business models, generating some £103 billion. Pounds, that's, uh, sorry, billion dollars that's 81 billion pounds globally last year up from 40 billion dollars in 2013 airlines argue that by unbundling extras such as food and drink or cabin baggage from the ticket price travelers get more choice and cheaper fares overall john grant senior analyst at oag an aviation data firm advises travelers to buy all their extras in one go up front to minimize additional costs buy for what you expect to use when you buy your ticket buy the bundle rather than keep going back as that is much more expensive. Which advise travellers to take hand luggage only if they can as it will often work out cheaper and to measure the size of their cabin bag to avoid unexpected fees at the airport. It also says travellers should make the most of their hand luggage by folding and rolling clothes to maximise space. Swapping bolty old items like books and electric toothbrushes for e-readers and handheld brushes and planning your holiday wardrobe carefully so you don't take unnecessary clothing. Finally, travellers should consider booking directly with the airline, which suggests uh, as they don't as they won't jack up the price of extras like some online travel agents do. I don't know, I'm a I'm a bit weirdly on the fence with this one. You'd think I'd be like championing this, but actually we know those extra prices are there. Mm. And I I'm pretty sure that certainly most of the people in the chat room here uh, joining us tonight and us here on the big zoom call here um i i none of us none of us but none of us when we book our flight take that pick that number at face value do you know what i mean mm. you know we think you okay know, so i'm flying with right a bit extra to pay yeah and also to be fair to be oh, i can't believe i'm saying this but to be fair to ryanair of all people right. um they are, in my experience of booking flights with Ryanair, as long as you don't, you know, the add-ons can be turned off if you don't mind that you're not sitting together and things like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, actually, exactly. it I, gives you the choice to select what options absolutely. you want and, and for that to suit your budget, and I think that's fine. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And, and to be fair to Ryanair, then they're not on by default, if you see what I mean. You know, um, so it, it'll it'll don't get me wrong. It'll heavily promote as you click click through the site that you should do speedy boarding and and all that kind of thing. But as long as you're you know know what you're looking for, 
you know so perhaps the issue here is actually more about educating um, the consumer a, a bit better uh, and there is a, a new piece of legislation that's that's come out more to do with the FCA here in the UK to be fair so not necessarily to do with um, aviation specifically but there is a clause in most of the regulatory bodies now about treating customers fairly um, and that's been sort of coming, if you like, for quite some time. So certainly here in the UK, um, people who are selling flights here in the UK, you know, we're quite, I guess our, our systems here have made sure, if you like, that um, hidden charges are clear to see early doors, if you see what I mean, because of the, you know, because of the, I know a lot of us complain about the the, the paperwork yeah. and all the red tape. I think tape we and can, stuff we can have those extra charges, but mm. maybe make it a little more transparent up front. I yeah. guess is, is where you're, you're is going it, yeah. with that. Yeah, you, essentially. Yeah, it, it, it's funny you 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 talk about this because, as Matt will know, I I recently booked a, a flight for next year with with BA to go over to yes. um, Geneva to take Gemma to Switzerland for a, a weekend break. I booked the flights with BA and. As a, as a treat, because I had a I had a ton of Avios points to to get rid of. I I'm, I'm taking Gem, and I'm, we're going to fly business class with BA because Net Gem has ever flown business class before, and I thought it'd be a nice to sort of treat, you know, treat and that. And even after paying for a business class seat with BA, you still, when you go through your booking process after you've made the initial booking. You still, if you want to choose your seat, even in business class, have to pay 28 quid to choose your seat each per person. Wow. Yeah. I'm quite shocked about that. If you want to do it free, you have to wait uh, until seven days before you fly, and then you can choose your, your seat free. Now, if you're Nev and are a gold um, member with BA that that is not an issue but if you are just like a normal you know person like me with with the ba i think it's blue i think no bronze bronze executive club bronze status i've got you have to even though you booked the business business class seat you still have to pay the extra money to choose i can see why they do it because it's probably quite a nice revenue stream for them isn't it because mm. effectively they're sort of scaring you into paying the extra because you think oh well you know i don't want to miss out on sitting with my partner or whatever mm. um so you're kind of more inclined to pay the pay the money to know that you're definitely going to be sitting with whoever you're traveling with <laughs> it's probably quite a nice little earner for them yeah yeah it's good but um you know i i did use the last remaining few points i had to choose to pick the two seats going out but um i will say that seat 1a was not available so whether Nev has, has purchased those seats already, I don't know, but um, that they weren't available, unfortunately. But there you go. Anyway, moving on, next story. Nick, I, I'm very much looking forward to this, so carry on, Nick. The floor yeah. is... Uh, yeah, thank, the floor, but... Thanks very much, Carlos. Um, yeah, when I put together the show notes, this was one where I was quite looking forward to seeing how it went down and yeah i th I figured that you know perhaps you yourself or maybe it would have been a good one for nev to to handle all i can say is i think that everybody needs to just strap themselves in for this one because it's a bit of a weird one so uh yeah this one comes from airlive.net uh the headline is the delta flight returned to atlanta to be cleaned after a passenger suffered diarrhea 
all the way through the plane. So here goes. A Delta flight from Atlanta to Barcelona was forced to turn around and make an emergency landing after a passenger had diarrhea all the way through the plane. The A350 aircraft was two hours into a transatlantic flight from Georgia to Spain on Friday when the pilot asked to come back because of a fecal fiasco. These are the words from the article, not mine. Um, <laughs> the aircraft uh, was operating the flight DL-194 to Barcelona and was cruising at 36,000 feet after 90 minutes of flight when the incident took shape. This is a biohazard issue, the pilot said to air traffic control, recorded live from uh, liveatc.com and shared on X, formerly known as Twitter. We've had a passenger who's had diarrhea all the way back through the plane, so they want us to come back to Atlanta. The identity of the passenger remains a mystery, but passengers and crew were transferred and flight to DL-194 finally made it to Barcelona at 5.10pm the next day. An alleged Federal Aviation Authority flight strip was posted on Reddit, which appeared to confirm the situation involved biohazard all over the plane. Cleaning crews were able to scrub down the aircraft once it landed in Atlanta, since flight records show it was then used on another flight. I hope they did a good job. Delta officials confirmed there was a medical issue on the plane, and it had to be redirected to Atlanta to be cleaned, according to Insider. Our teams worked as quickly and safely as possible to thoroughly clean the airplane and get our customers to their final destination, a Delta spokesperson said. We sincerely apologise to our customers for the delay and inconvenience to their travel plans. Oh, goodness. I'm not really sure what to say about that. Uh, any thoughts on that one, Carlos? <laughs> My, when Je I showed this to Gemma the other night when the story broke on on the uh, airlive.net, so I get the notifications coming through on my phone, and she found it rather amusing. But she all, one of the things she also pointed out was when this happened, there must have been a whole load of people on that plane who had to use that little paper bag in the, you know, in the front pocket, seat pocket. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, when it, yeah, the, the wording of the article seems to suggest that whatever this incident was, and I I don't want to go into too much detail, but it sounds like it was quite widespread throughout the aircraft. And I'm just, I just, I don't know. Matt's gone I'm, awfully quiet. He has gone awfully quiet. Um, yeah, I'm saying just, nothing. I'm not getting I don't know where to go with this one. I've just <laughs> never heard anything like it. It's but to divert a plane because of this, I mean, that is, that's, yeah. that's yeah. fairly, um, yeah. Well, anyway, we've gone from... I mean, fairly from, poo. <laughs> we, Sorry. I'm so. I mean, we could look at the chat room, but I think we better. No, don't, 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 don't. Move on, move on. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Yeah, Anyone yeah. who's listening uh, to the audio version, go back to the video version and review the chat. Uh, the yes, chat. Yes, unfortunately, play. they do lose that once once we're off air. I'm afraid. Uh, Mr. Warder has uh, suggested uh, that. <laughs> Oh, no, no I can't read any of them. I literally can't read any of them. <laughs> you cannot. No, I've just I really, as well. I really yeah, want yeah. to read. I really, yeah. really want to read Dirk S's latest uh, one uh, in the uh, chat uh, room. Uh, uh, Jonathan Warner has offered the, that a um, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm trying yeah, to look Dirk at it. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, shall we say a tactical movement is the way to go, is the way oh, that uh, okay. Mr. Yeah. Warner has suggested there it. as well. Yeah, and uh, Dirk S has said the, the movement really hits the turbo fan here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Captain Captain Ridiculous Wits is suggesting um, that it's, it's fine as long as you replace the word that's in the chat room with the word movement. It's absolutely yes. fine. It's 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 not a problem. Uh, as I say, when you're flying in the air and you feel your um, area move. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's quite yeah. Okay, let's move anyway, on, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on yeah. to the next story. Yeah, 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 yeah. My word, yeah. honestly. If yeah, can you imagine? Right. What a crappy story. Can you imagine? <laughs> Mr. Bounds was here. Oh dear, it'd be Scat Airlines all over uh, again. Oh, don't, <laughs> don't get no, <laughs> don't start him off. No, indeed. Anyway, moving on to uh, the next. Richard Adams uh, suggested sorry. reusing a, a champagne cork. That might be one solution. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Bill! Even B Bill, Bill's just dropped an absolute clanger in the chat room now. Well, I hope not. What what a crappy story is that? What? No, oh, his latest one in there. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a on. good one. Hang on, where are we? Uh, <laughs> did they make a runs on landing? Oh dear. Well, well, because oh. we we haven't got a caption this um, part for this or bit for this uh, show. What this on week. earth Don't... kind of image are you going to use for that, Carlos? Good luck. We're can, not going well, to get John I, to do one I... of his famous Photoshop. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Oh, yeah, God, can no. I, can, I, can I just remind you, gentlemen, that this is a family show, ladies and gentlemen. Family show. And it's an aviation show, <laughs> honestly. We're anyway. Back, we're back to the egg custard. All we're back to yeah. the egg custard again. <laughs> anyway, so moving swiftly on, um, we have got another story. And uh, this next story oh. has uh, been very kindly put together uh, to us in video form by the great Armando. Obviously, he can't be with us on the show this week, but he has sent us a video in for this next story. And uh, this comes to us from space.com, and it's all about the new supersonic jet. Uh, this one's from space.com. A new supersonic jet that we've been talking about on the show has completed further milestones on the runway towards its debut of faster than sound flight. Aviation startup Boom Technologies here in Greensboro, North Carolina, their XB-1 demonstrator jet has moved from a hangar in Centennial, Colorado to the Mojave Air and Space Port in California. At Mojave, this 71-foot carbon composite jet has been undergoing extensive ground testing. The company said in a statement, including a high-speed taxi test that they conducted this week, and there's some video online about this. Now, the airplane is designed to fly at Mach 2.2, that's 2.2 times the speed of sound, or around 1,700 miles per hour. The first flight will occur over the Mojave Desert in the same patch of airspace, ironically, where in October of 1947, Chuck Yeager broke the, the sound barrier for the first time in the Bell X-1 experimental aircraft. So the XB-1 also recently took another, another important step towards its first flight, that is receiving an experimental airworthiness certificate from the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration or the FAA after a detailed aircraft inspection. Now, additionally, authorities have approved the use of the airspace over the Mojave Desert by the XB-1, and Boom has received letters of authorization to allow Chief Test Pilot Bill Doc Shoemaker and Test Pilot Tristan Geppetto Brandenburg to fly the supersonic jet during the test flight. Now, we've been following this on the show for a couple years now, actually, and uh, we're looking forward to these developments. Both Boom test pilots have completed hundreds of hours in the simulator and actually been flying a T-38 trainer jet to help them train for this flight. 
Now, according to Boom, the company brought together over 60 years of airplane technology, including advancements in carbon fiber composites and advanced avionics to create the carbon composite body and titanium fuselage of the XB-1. Now, the supersonic aircraft features a modified delta wing, that's a wing uh, pairing in the form of a triangle, named for its resemblance uh, to the upper uppercase Greek letter delta. Uh, that not only allows it to reach above Mach 2, but also enables safe takeoff and landing. Now, Boom says that the XB-1 possesses three General Electric J85 engines that provide the jet with a combined thrust of up to 12,300 pounds. I mean, that's uh, it's a big number, isn't it? 12, I know. I... 12,300. Wow. I was, I was thinking, though, because most of us were not lucky enough to have well, none of us, I don't think, apart from Nev, yeah. were lucky enough to have been able to have gone on to Concorde and flown on Concorde. And I, I, re I do hope, I really do hope that in our lifetime that there is uh, another kind of reiteration of Concorde that gets designed and built and, and flies so that we can get, you know, get a chance to fly supersonic across... Um, you know, Atlantic, the, the country. Yeah. Obviously, you're off to the States next month, aren't you, Matt? Yes. Um, to go and see Armando. And your flight is probably the same as mine. It's about seven and a half, seven and three probably, quarter hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine doing, going, you're leaving Heathrow and being in, in London in, in less than three hours. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. It'd be like, you know, for, for us, it would be like, you know, just going across to like uh, south of france or something like that wouldn't it it'd be the same time essentially you know? yeah the only thing i hope they improve on with with the um if they do do supersonic travel for us before we all uh, retire is is <laughs> is i hope they improve the the space and the comfort yeah i yeah, think but... their intention is that it will be an all business class uh, style configuration yeah. But it's only um, three hours, for goodness sake. You can put up with anything for three hours. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think most, to be fair, most of us would be, would be on that flight, not for the comfort, but for the fact that we're travelling, you know, that yeah. fast and, you know, across, yeah, yeah. Uh, across the you, world. Uh, you, yeah, because you're travelling at Mach 1.7 rather than, like, sort of, you know. And the chat room is still stuck on the last story. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. Can't imagine anyway, why. Yes. Anyway. Moving on to the next uh, or the last uh, story in the commercial news this week, and again, very kindly sent into us from uh, Armando this week, and uh, this is from Simple Flying, all about the FAA and a loophole. From SimpleFlying.com, the Federal Aviation Administration or the FAA intends to terminate the regulatory charter loophole that allows non-ATP certificated commercial pilots to fly passenger flights. So as described in the general operating and flight rules, that's uh, Title 14 of the Code of Federal Regulations, this rule allows Part 135 charter flights to, to conduct scheduled flights and take advanced bookings if the type of aircraft to be used has no more than 30 seats with commercial pilots, not ATP pilots. So this rule is sometimes misused by uh, some airlines that actually serve smaller markets having contracts with charter companies to offer scheduled services, something that I actually did for a long time. So commercial air services include both scheduled and non-scheduled services. Charter services include on-demand operations, including air taxis, business services, and all the other things we've talked about to this, on the show. Now this part of the federal regulations, public charters, 
defines a charter flight as a flight operated under the terms of a charter contract between a direct air carrier and its customers. It does not include scheduled air transportation, scheduled foreign air transportation, or non-scheduled cargo air transportation uh, sold on an individually ticketed or an individually waybilled basis. Now, the United States Department of Transportation, or the DOT, defines charter flights as ones that are not part of an airline's published schedule. Uh, the flights must not be publicly advertised and uh, with specific schedules and times as conventional airlines and uh, commercial services tend to go. So in order to tap into some of these smaller markets, some airlines establish contracts with private charter companies uh, for their scheduled operations, such as uh, Air Choice One, Southern Airways, Boutique uh, Air. Uh, Part 135 rule prevents an operator from selling single seats on charter flights because all flights must be on demand. Now, pilots who fly Part 135 currently only need a commercial certificate with a minimum of 250 flight hours rather than the ATP or airline transport pilot and 1,500 hours required for Part 121 scheduled airlines. Now, the FAA has been noticing a significant growth in such operations and actually intends to curtail this practice. This agency aims to take this step out of safety concerns for operators and passengers. Uh, the FAA believes that the service providers that operate currently under Part 135 may have to change their operations to Part 121 of the federal regulations if they intend to run scheduled services as conventional airlines, again, such as Southern Airways Express, Boutique Air, Contour. While this certainly reduces risk for passengers by putting more experienced pilots up front, this kind of operation is also widely, uh, a widely available stepping stone for pilots uh, reaching those 1,500 hours for the ATP minimums here in the U.S. at least is already a challenge, and removing this avenue will make it even harder for pilots to uh, get to that 1,500 hours, not to mention valuable experience. So this uh, has not been changed yet. They're going to do a notice for proposed rulemaking, and they'll be available for co uh, public comment here in the next couple weeks or couple months. Thanks, Armando. Amazing work, as always. I mean, if anybody can explain to us what's going on at the FAA, then that would be Armando, to be fair. <laughs> the thing that always baffles me is with, with in the US is all these part bits, you know, the part 135, the part this, the part that, all the different kind of um, types of flying in the US yeah. that there are within the um, commercial industry as such. <laughs> but it's still... The different number of hours, though, between a, a 135 and a 121, that a, a, um, a 135 uh, pilot could could go with uh, as little as 250 flight hours, which mm. seems but not many. Yeah, seems quite Indeed. low. Yeah, but flying is so much more commonplace in the states, isn't it? I mean, it is. You know, they they literally use you know the, you know they literally use planes as buses. Don't they in in yeah. the, the states? Thinking long ago. Oh anywhere. no, I know exactly. But <laughs> that's that's my point. And that's maybe part of the reason why, as you say, although here in the UK we find the numbers that they're able to sort of you know get their ratings and stuff on, are sort of surprising in comparison to what has to happen here. Um, maybe that's part of the reason why because it's just so much more commonplace flying around the states. Um, there's a, a comment in the chat room actually about the the wind noise there on on Armando's. Um, Oh, microphone. Yeah. Uh, Cat Ridiculous Wits 
has come back with, uh, he can't afford a fluffy microphone because he owns a thousand planes. Totally logical. 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Armando, we'll have to... We'll have to I, in, I, in his defence, he doesn't own any planes on his own apart from his little bear cub. I've, I've got one here, look, I brought for the, for the Wings and Wheels at, at Norwich, which works really well, to be fair, for the, right. uh, for the okay. ATR. All right, OK. Just needs to go to Ikea and get one of these. Oh, my... What? For, the, ben for the benefit of the audio podcast, Nick is now holding up what can only be described as a... Uh, 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 He's teddy bear cat. He's lost It's a small words. Ikea cat. It's, this one's called Robert. <laughs> We've gone uh, a little bit off piece today, haven't we? Yeah, I just put it we, back up. While, while the camera's on you, just put it back up so that those on YouTube can now see. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Mm, fair enough. Moving on. Uh, I mean, I bet, I, I'd imagine that's probably cheaper than the version I have. Probably not. Yeah, that's actually. true. The vet bills are a little, uh, little less eye-watering. Oh, I see. Right, I see what I see. What you did there. Yeah. Okay. And when you get a chance, Matt, there's some food here for Mima. Oh, very good. <laughs> Lovely. Excellent. <laughs> well, thanks for that. So, thanks again, Armando, for sending in the videos this week. Appreciate that very much indeed. Now, Armando's not here, as we all know, albeit in video form, but we have got some military news this week, and uh, well, if you're ready. Yep. Let's kick things off. Watch up, buggies, 135, 50 angels, 16, 3340. Okay, 165. So, the first story in the military segment this week comes just from theaviationist.com. Uh, a Russian helicopter pilot who defected to the Ukraine last month has revealed details of the daring operation to fly across the border in his MI-8 combat helicopter. In an interview published by Ukraine's Defense Intelligence, the pilot named Ukrainian officials as Maxim Kuzminov explained in the interview how he planned his defection and why he felt compelled to do so. The head of the Ukraine's Defense Intelligence, Kyrylo Budanov revealed in August how Ukrainian officials had been able to help the pilot to defect. They said we were able to create the conditions to get his whole family out undetected and eventually create the conditions so that we could take over his aircraft with a crew that did not know what was happening, Budanov told Radio Liberty at the time. Two more people were with him, a full crew of three persons in total, when they realised where they had landed. They tried to escape. Unfortunately, they were eliminated. Hmm. We would prefer to take them alive, they said, but it is what it is. Oh, my word. In an interview released Monday this week, the pilot detailed how the event unfolded. During a flight, the pilot said he realised that he was near the border. He relayed his location and said, let's give it a try. I'm not far away. And having made the final decision, flew in extremely low altitude in radio silence mode. No one understood what was going on at all. The pilot said he was able to land in the Ukraine where he was met by Ukrainian officials. The circumstances of the interview are unclear, but the pilot appeared to be speaking freely at the time. One official Russian telegram channel, surprised by the flight data, reported that an MI-8 helicopter had flown into Ukraine and landed in the central region of Poltava by mistake. 
No one has done this before, but I hope we can now scale it up, said Budinov. In the newly published interview, the pilot also pushed back against Russian misinformation about the invasion of the Ukraine. The pilot also urged other Russians in the military to defect to the Ukraine. CNN has been able to verify the pilot's identity, but Agenstvo, Blimey, these words. Uh, an independent Russian telegram channel said that it had found Kuzminov's social media profile and that he was an attack pilot of the 319th separate helicopter regiment of the Eastern Military District. Ukrainian journalist Yuri Bustov, who was well-established contacts in the uh, Defense Ministry, earlier reported that the helicopter is fully intact and will be added to the Ukraine armed forces after a detailed examination of its equipment i suppose that's one way to get yourself a uh, 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 you know some fairly hefty gunpowder because these helicopters as i expect mr warner has probably seen one of these these are fairly um you know beefy helicopter indeed yeah, some of those um, russian ones are pretty chunky aren't they yeah yeah but uh, i suppose that's what, that is one way to um you know gain gain extra stuff in your Inventory, I suppose, because obviously they have got some F-16s just recently, didn't we? We reported on that a few weeks ago, didn't we, on the uh, on the mm. show? Yeah. But uh, next up, Armando's got a video for us all uh, for the military news this week, and it's from the Australian Financial Review. Now, this story is actually from the Australian Financial Review. The Department of Defense says that the Australian weapons are being provided to Ukraine in compliance with international law after Moscow has complained that Australian-made drones were being used to hit targets in Russian territory. Now, Russia's foreign ministry accused Australia this last Tuesday night of helping escalate the war, of course, started when Vladimir Putin staged a fresh invasion of Ukraine that we've been following for over a year. Um, they accused Australia of supplying military aid to Kyiv. Now, Russian foreign ministry spokeswoman Maria Zarkarova said that Australian drones were actually used to strike targets, targets inside Russia. And she said the Albanese government was, quote, enthusiastically contributing to the anti-Russian campaign directed from Washington while trying to hide from the public opinion the unenviable circumstances indicating that Australia is increasingly being drawn into the conflict in Ukraine. As part of Australia's military aid, the government has supplied drones to Ukraine, including a $33 million commitment announced last February. A Melbourne-based uh, company, SIPAC, has actually supplied 500 of its cardboard drones to Ukraine so far. That's according to a pro-Russia telegram channel uh, called Fighter Bomber. Um, they claimed that on August 29th that the Australian drones had been used for the first time to bomb a Russian airfield. Uh, that particular website did not identify the location of the attack, but a Ukrainian security official claimed that day that drones had indeed hit five fighter jets, uh, missile launchers, and anti-aircraft missile systems at a Kursk airfield. Now, these drones, these electric-powered SIPAC drones, were originally designed to carry humanitarian supplies and to be used for surveillance, although Ukrainian forces had reportedly adapted them to carry explosives. Now, the coordinates are entered by operators before the drones are launched with a couple. The drones are made of a sturdy wax-covered cardboard uh, to protect them from the rain. Uh, they can carry a payload of up to three to five kilograms and have a range of up to 100 kilometers. Now, Kursk, a Russian city in Western Russia, is located about 90 to 100 kilometers from the Ukrainian border. 
uh, Western nations supplying arms to Ukraine were initially wary of uh, providing weapons that could be used to strike targets within Russia's legal borders to avoid Kremlin accusations of provocation. For example, the U.S. secretly modified the HIMARS rocket launch system to reduce its range um, so it wouldn't strike inside Russia. But the Australian Financial Review uh, understood that there has actually been no restrictions imposed limiting the Australian drones to targets in occupied Ukraine. SIPAC uh, said that it was unable to comment on the Russian claim and had been asked to refer inquiries to the Defense Department of Australia, while Ukraine's ambassador uh, to Australia said that he was also unable to confirm whether the Australian drones had been used in Russia. Um, now, there was another statement from Australian Major General Mick Ryan. He said that the Russian, the Russian complaints about Western forces escalating the war were actually childish propaganda, given it was Putin who invaded. Thank you, Armando, for that video. And, uh, yeah, I haven't personally got one, but I know Matt has got his, his own little Mine, uh, mini made, UAV. Mine's not made of cardboard. No, and it probably doesn't drop bombs either. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it could be adapted. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it could adapt. I mean, it's got a camera on it, so it must be capable of carrying some weight. You could replace that for something else. <laughs> These actually All look the pretty cool. They look a bit like something that um, was maybe done in a school project, but yeah. you know, while I don't necessarily condone dropping bombs on people, I think that actually doing it with something made out of cardboard seems like quite a good way. I mean, you know, they're recyclable. Um, <laughs> yes, because that's the thing. One, what, that's the one thing fo somebody focuses on when bombing another country. Yes, <laughs> whether or not it's sustainable. Yes, yes. Absolutely. It's a, a sustainable yeah. bombing solution. Yes, so that's nice. Yes. Um, oh, well, I hope no. it's made out of recycled cardboard. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm staying out of this. <laughs> Got me green. Anyway, moving on. This uh, next one comes to us again from Armando. He's, he's, he's done good this week, Armando, hasn't he? Bringing us all these videos. Thank you, Armando, again. Uh, this uh, next story comes to us from stripes.com, and it's all about uh, a very distinguished gentleman. Heartwarming story. Navy veteran Peter L. Smith was posthumously awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross and the Air Medal for his actions in combat during World War II. At a recent ceremony, Navy Secretary Carlos del Toro said that he was humbled by the opportunity to honor Peter L. Smith, one of our Navy's hundreds of thousands of World War II veterans for their service during uh, a defining period of world history to our nation. Now, after the war, Smith, like so many members of the greatest generation, uh, returned to their civilian careers, but forever remained proud of their service. Now, Smith's son, James Smith, accepted the awards on behalf of his father during a ceremony at the uh, Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum in downtown New York. His father actually passed away in 2009. Uh, James said that his father, like many thousands uh, of his generation during the war, did their job day in and day out. In less than four years, their dedication led to the defeating of the Nazis and the Empire of Japan concurrently. Now, at the time, third-class petty officer Peter Smith was a native of Troy, New York. He enlisted in the Navy February 2nd, 1942, two months after the Japanese attacks on Pearl Harbor. Now, when he first went into the Navy, he was actually rated as a storekeeper um, or kind of a supply guy. Smith volunteered for flying duty 
uh, completing training as an aviation radio man and an air gunner. Uh, Smith was assigned to Composite Squadron 28, based at Henderson Airfield on Guadalcanal in June of 1943. During his time there, Smith flew as a member of a three-man crew on the TBF Avenger uh, torpedo bomber and conducted 15 combat missions in support of troops on the ground at New Georgia, which is part of the Solomon Islands. Now, Smith returned to the United States, but later deployed again back to the Pacific in 1944 with the newly de uh, designated Torpedo Squadron 28, or VT-28, operating as an aircraft carrier-based squadron off of the USS Monterey. Now, during his time with this, with this squadron, Smith flew in operations to retake the Marianas, Saipan, Tinian, and the Southern Palau from Japanese forces. He also supported the assaults on the Philippines and strikes against Okinawa. Now, Smith flew more than 150 combat and combat support missions during his 11 months with VT-28 before being honorably discharged in February of 1946 after the conclusion of the war. Now, Congress established a Distinguished Flying Cross on July 2nd, 1926. It can be awarded to Navy, Marine Corps, or Coast Guard uh, personnel uh, and Air Force personnel while serving in the capacity of the armed forces who distinguished themselves for heroism and outstanding achievement while participating in aerial flight. That's according to the U.S. Navy. The Air Medal is awarded for sustained performance while participating in aerial flight under combat conditions. Now, Smith joins Charles Lindbergh and Wright Brothers, as well as fellow uh, Navy recipients, President George H.W. Bush, uh, Senator John McCain, uh, to receive the Distinguished Flying Cross. Um, this is a great opportunity for the family and that generation to be recognized, finally, so many years after the fact, and we honor Petty Officer Smith. What a career. And, uh, yeah, well worthy of a medal, I think. Absolutely. A bit like you, Matt, for being in that studio with that heat. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think we should award it's... you with a medal. I, I, must, I must admit, it's a bit warm. Uh, can I just say to the, the chat room, by the way, I'm very disappointed in all of you because none of you have noticed that in the middle of the show, I've gone from a, a, a white check shirt to a black T-shirt. Offended. That's all I'm saying. Offended. Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I... I... I was, um, I'm genuinely shocked that no one in the chat room even noticed yeah, that change. Yes. I really am. Uh, yeah, I, I'm afraid, for, for what, as I say, it's not normally a problem here in the UK because we don't do warm, uh, let's be honest. Um, but or, or Don't we do, bother but, with the wig, Matt, because they're not going to notice. Are we going to um, gloss over the fact that you're going for the newsreader's dress code from the waist down, Matt? Uh, I wasn't going to mention it, but shh. <laughs> It's how I do my, my radio shows. I'll be honest. Oh, <laughs> okay. Very good. What a treat! Thanks, uh, <laughs> thanks again to Armando. Oh, wait, you do a radio show this week? Uh, <laughs> see what you did there. Uh, oh, you're <laughs> there did hopefully, you know, did you know Carlos does one as well? Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> hopefully, Armando will be back with us. Not next week, but the week. After Amanda will be back with us again, uh, but I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we're uh, we're going to have uh, a good, very a very special guest on next week. All all being well, as long as I can put all dot all the T's and cross all the I's and all that kind of stuff, you know. Hopefully next week. Okay. Anyway, 
I, you, you know, I love how we have production meetings on air. I just think that's the way forward. I know, it is the way forward. <laughs> as such is the book quiz. Now, as everyone will know, each week, we've been doing this for a while now, haven't we? We've been doing this quite, mm. for quite a while now, and we've still got loads to give away. Um, we have been doing a book giveaway. Now, last week, uh, we this was the competition or the book we were offering you in last week's show with the question... Uh, it's the book Flying the Boeing 787 uh, by Captain Gib Vogel. And uh, it's a very in-depth book about, uh, obviously, flying the glorious aircraft that is the 787 Dreamliner. It's an awesome little book, some great pictures, and it literally goes from starting the aircraft up right through to flight planning and everything in there. It's really, really good. Now, the question we set you all uh, to win the book this week was now so a few of you got this wrong and i, I was quite surprised uh, the question was the, the first dreamliner now we were talking about the first one zero zero one that's the first production model dreamliner to come off the line uh, had a very nev-esque uh, n number registration number uh, now a few of you did reply with the registration of the first dreamliner that flew for ana now ana was the launch customer for the, the uh, Dreamliner back in the day, but that we wanted the registration number of the 001, MSN 001. That's the first production 787. Now, got the correct answers here, and I'm now going to put them in the Carolina skydive hat that I got when I was jumping out of perfectly functioning aircraft. Uh, back. Weirdo. And a nice bit of tension there, Matt, with the music. I like oh, it. Oh, love have you got, love have you got the applause ready, Matt? Uh, yes, I have, yes. Okay. Uh, do you want me to drag out this any longer, or are you...? I mean, you know, we, we haven't <laughs> got anything else to do, so knock yourself impression. out, yeah. Right, so, that, let names are in a hat to see who has won the book this week. Now, the book this week has been won. Here we go. I've got the, got the paper in my hand. Here we go. Gotta hold this up to the camera, hopefully the right way up. This week's winner is... Captain Cruise! Ooh! Captain Cruise, you are this week's winner of the Dreamliner book. Uh, just get in touch with us uh, by the usual methods, uh, Captain Cruise, and I shall post the book out to you, well, tomorrow. So hopefully you'll get that uh, ASAP. Now, we have got a, another book. I'll just drop my paperwork all on the floor, which is handy because it's got the question on. Uh, carry on, guys. What? Hang on. <laughs> Talk amongst ourselves. I oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Lovely weather we're having. <laughs> exactly. Carry on. Carry on. Did I mention it's like 31 degrees here in the studio? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> okay. I made the mistake of looking at the thermostat. It's 31 degrees in the studio. Ouch. Yes. It's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sweating in places I didn't know was possible. Uh, there's, there's an image for you all. It's a lovely image. Thank Enjoy you so that much. one. Yes, you can have that one with my love. Yeah. Right now, I'm ready now. It's amazing. You should see the the mess in here now. I'm gonna have to get the Hoover out. Uh, anyway, to send a Delta Airlines uh, cleanup team around. This week's uh, this week's book uh, is funnily enough flying the Airbus A380. I know we couldn't 
you know, do a week with Boeing and not do a week with Air, without Airbus. So, flying the uh, Airbus A380 by Captain uh, Gib Vogel. Um, this is again all about flying the A380, and as you can see, it's just um, it's literally just just one page. That's it. That's how you fly the 380. There we go. Brilliant. I'm literally lost for words. No, just, no, all I joking just... aside, it, it is a fully in-depth book about how to fly the A380 there. Chapter 1, um, press the button to take off. Very good. Press, yeah, exactly, Chapter press the button two. to take off. Press the button. Now, this week's question, this is a lovely, lovely, easy, easy question for everyone this week, so no excuses for not entering the competition. So for the competition this week, are you ready? Here we go. So the uh, A380... Uh, deliveries first took place way back in 2007 and uh, who got the first A380 delivered to them? What airline? I know, I know, I know. Don't say anything, Mr. Smith. Anyway, which airline was the first to receive the A380, the Airbus A380? Answers podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Don't put them in the chat room. Don't put them in Facebook, on Facebook or anywhere. Send them to us via email and uh, for your chance to win this book next week. I'll be drawing these out of a hat. Well, actually, no, I think someone else can draw them out of a hat next week. Perhaps we'll get someone else to draw yeah, them out of a hat right. next week. Uh, Jonathan right. Warner Jonathan has... Jonathan Warner might have got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, John, Jonathan Warner suggested Ryanair. I think he's won. That's it. Oh, Com I... Competition is over, everyone. That's it. No, dear. There we go. <laughs> anyway, so... Somebody must have photoshopped that. That is the question. <laughs> which, which aircraft first flew? Which airline first got delivery of the A380? Get that book next week. And well done to Captain Cruise uh, for winning this week's book. I'll get that off to you. Apparently, we still owe him a mug that he won over a year ago, so we better put that right as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh, blimey. Yeah, leave it with me. Once you've got the address, I'll, I'll get it sorted. We'll get that sorted, yeah. Ah, so... That Dan is about... Air is another option here. Uh, Dan Air Dan taking Air. first delivery of uh, A380. Yeah, Mr Warner again. Spirit Airlines, Captain Ridiculous Wits is suggesting. Uh, Logan Air, uh, Dirk S is offering. <laughs> Wrong answers only. Mesa Airlines. <laughs> there are some good Ryanair uh, A380 Photoshop mock-ups on, on Google Images. Oh, are there? Ooh, same. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised that Ryanair never took that uh, option up, you know, because can you imagine the amount of... They would go for max They'd get about 700 capacity. people on, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. Can you they would imagine? go for max capacity. Yeah, that Can would be terrifying. you imagine? It would take two hours just to load. Yeah. Anyway, that's probably, right. That's, that's probably genuinely the reason, only reason they didn't is because of how long it would take them to load. <laughs> all that's, that, that's true, Matt, actually. Yeah, that's, all that's all that uh, baggage space underneath in the cargo hold there that would just literally never get used. <laughs> yeah, imagine the uh, extra Zebiator add on or ticket price for that, for the 380. I say, I say. Anyway, anyway, two thousand so, passengers. Richard Adams is suggesting uh, three floors. Obviously, <laughs> three floors. Floor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they'd fill up the cargo. Yeah, the cargo uh, bay with uh, seats as well. I have I seats. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd yeah. be worth pressurising it if it's full of people. Well, it'd be cool. Yeah, it'd well. be better than better than the PTUK Master Suite Studio, Very is right? Much so, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Can we can we sort of bring it to an end then? Because I yeah. was before, anyway, before social, I faint. <laughs> social media links for those of you who don't already know and might not already follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for us on there. Plain Talking UK. The WhatsApp number if you want your picture to be 
on the green screen behind me here or behind Matt, send it to plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Email your competition entries to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Look forward to hearing from you there. And also don't forget our website, all the w's.plaintalkinguk.com. And you can find more info about us as a team. Also, you can find out uh, about where you can get your P2K t-shirt, mugs, and all the military mug as well, because we've got the military grey um, mugs on there. I must say the well. website is actually very much overdue, a little refresh. I think we should probably sit down and do that we at some point. We should do, yeah, we should yeah. do. And uh, don't forget as well to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well when you're on there. And, uh, and don't forget as well, when you're on the website, you can find links on there. If you want to support the show, become a patron of the show, or just... Uh, make a donation to the show to help us push things forward uh, as we do each week on a Friday night. And don't forget, going back to what you guys and girls help us to do on the show, uh, one of the things you're going to help us to do is get some great content from a air show that's coming up in September. It's our PTUK summer meetup. Now, we're going to be at the Battle of Britain uh, air display at Duxford, the Imperial War Museum at Duxford. Uh, we're going to be there on Sunday, the 17th of September. If you get a chance to uh, get over there and come and see us, we'd love to see you over there. We're hopefully going to get uh, nearly all the team there. Unfortunately, Armando can't make it over, although we would very much love him to fly over in the uh, in the Piper, in the Cub. But uh, we'll hopefully all be there. I know we've, we've got, to, I think Jenny from Rome is coming over, and she might uh, to is, yeah. join us, yeah, and um, fingers crossed we'll try and get as many of the team there as we can on Sunday the 17th of September, so it's not far away, it's literally a few weekends away, so make sure you get your tickets on the Imperial War Museum Duxford website, the tickets are still available, I did check earlier on today, you can still get yourself a ticket to uh, to get into the air show, and it's promised to be a very, very good show this year, so we look forward to seeing everyone there. So that is where we're going to bring episode 471 to a close before Matt melts into the Master Suite studio floor. (laughs) We'll be back next week here on YouTube for episode 472. Hopefully Nev will be back with stories of his return flight from, uh, well, Switzerland. Sweden. Stockholm, Sweden, Fair. wherever it was. Fair. Sweden, yes. He's obviously brought himself some great IKEA furniture while he's been out there as well, so that's good. My uh, ice so, cream has melted, just saying. It is. We'll be back next week. Have a great weekend, whatever you're up to. And don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. So send us your feedback because we'd love to hear your thoughts on what we're all doing here. So that's it from me, Carlos, here in the home studio. From Matt in the warm P2K Master Suite Studios. From Nick as well, thanks for all your hard work this week, Nick, as well. Thanks for that. And not forgetting as well, thanks to Armando, Nev, and John as well. We will see you next Friday. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend, and say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye, Matt.